Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. All righty then. Well, good morning, church. It's good to be here this morning, as always. Um, and yeah, just, you know, this opportunity now that, that I have Man, I, I'm excited, but I can just say, too, that I am just so humbled and honored to, to be a part of what Adventure Church is doing. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just amazing to see the, the journey that God is, has taken us on, has taken me on. Um, I think it was last week, Andrew was uh, one of the worship songs. It was a newer song, um, and there was a line in it that said that we are... Um, living stories of his faithfulness and my wife Kasia and I talked about that after like that's us we are just living stories of his faithfulness so if anyone has ever said or if you've just ever believed the lie that God is not faithful let me tell you he is he is faithful whatever promises that you're hanging on to don't let go because he is faithful and he is a God of promises and a God of completing the work that he started in you, and I know he's going to complete the work that he started in me, and the work that he started here with Adventure Church is going to just be continuing to grow and amazing, and I'm just blessed to be a part of it. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, welcome here again. So, we're still early in the new year, you know, so Pastor CJ had asked me a little while ago about speaking, and I was like, yeah, you know, I'd be willing to do that, and he said that it would be early in the new year, so immediately my mind goes to kind of, you know, what's kind of relevant, you know, that topical kind of thing of like, okay, it's still the new year, so let's, let's hit on that, so I started just praying about, you know, God, what would you have me share, what, you know, I do pray about this, so you can rest assured, <laughs> I do talk to God, um, but I was just praying about, okay, what, what message, what word for this new year? And, and I know Pastor CJ shared a great message last week. If you weren't here, you can watch the video. So I'm kind of piggybacking off of some of the stuff that he said last week. But the, the word that just kind of kept coming to me was first things. What, uh, what are the primary things in our lives? What's the, the primary thing as you, we go into a new year? So we're going to look at that a little bit here in just a minute. But first, let's just start. We're going to look at the... Uh, the top 10 most common New Year's resolutions. Now, if you've made some of these before, you don't have to raise your hand because that's all right. So our first one here is exercise more, right? Everybody wants to get, get in shape. I got my watch on trying to fill those rings in. So maybe I'll just, no, I won't do that. It'll be distracting. But yeah, exercise more. The second one here is lose weight, you know, just general physical health. Number three, get organized. I have a few people in my house that I wish would make that New Year's resolution. Okay. Get organized. Learn a new skill or hobby. It's always good. Live life to the fullest. I've never really, I don't know, I don't really get that. Like what it means to live like, to me, full just means like eating. So like, I'm going to live life to the fullest. Heck with, uh... Resolution one and two there. No. Number six, save more money, spend less money. 
Number seven, quit smoking. Eight, spend more time with family and friends. Always a good one. Number nine, travel more. Like to travel, see the world. Number 10, read more. It's always a good thing. I like to read. Um, as Christians, generally, you know, we can usually throw when it comes to reading that we want to read our Bible. I know uh, how many of you have said, I'm going to read the Bible in a year, and you get to Exodus, and you're like, nope, not this year. <laughs> not this year. Or just, you know, to pray more. You know, there's, you know, things as Christians we want to do more. But generally, you know, we start a new year, and we, we have in mind, okay, it's a new year, so new me, new year. We... We want to have all these things to improve ourselves, right? And that's a good thing. It's good to want to improve ourselves, to want to be better, to do better in different areas of our lives. There's nothing wrong with that. But as I was thinking about this and looking at these things, I was reminded of a, of a quote from a, a music group that I like, uh, Wren Collective. Anybody heard of them? They're an Irish, Irish folk worship band, one of my favorites. But I had read this, it was a blog post on their website some years ago, and it, it popped up in my Facebook memories just recently, so it kind of came to my mind again. But this is the quote, it says that it's so tempting to make self-improvement our New Year's resolution, but what we need is self-sacrifice. Don't give up a habit, give up your heart. So when it comes to these things, it's not that these resolutions are bad, it's not wrong to want to improve yourself, but sometimes we get our priorities wrong and we begin to just like focus too much on ourselves. So in this and just thinking about God's word and thinking about that phrase, first things, what are the priorities? What are important? What does God say is important? And I was led to Matthew 6.33 and this is Jesus in the middle of the, the Sermon on the Mount we're going to dive into that a little bit more here in just a little bit. But in, during the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about how people can worry about what they're going to eat, what they're going to wear. And then he gives this picture of, of the sparrows, though they don't harvest, they don't store their grain, they don't have barns, and yet God takes care of them and they always have enough to eat. And then he gives a picture of the lilies of the field, these beautiful flowers where Solomon, King Solomon, the, the richest, probably most powerful king in Israel's history, was never clothed as beautiful as these lilies. And how much more does God care for us? How much more does he care for you? How much more will he feed you? Will he clothe you? So we're not to worry. And then he says in Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of his kingdom, and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. And I was, as I was thinking about that, about worrying about food and, and clothing, and then also thinking about these resolutions that we just looked at, is how often do we actually make our resolutions? How often do we want to improve ourselves? Because we're actually worried or we're actually basing those resolutions off of our own personal fears. Well, I need to get physically healthy because I fear and I worry that I'm not good enough, that I don't look good enough, that I'm not strong enough, that I can't do things. You know, I want to read more because I, I'm actually kind of self-conscious and worried that I'm not smart enough. And we actually can make these resolutions based out of worry and fear. And Jesus is saying, that's not the reason 
and we should not worry, but if we seek first his kingdom, then all of these things will be added. So we need a new focus for our new year, amen? So that's what we're going to look at as we move ahead. Now, Pastor CJ, one of the things that he says when, when he's preaching, he's got some goals that he wants to make sure that in his messages that he does a few things, that he inspires and that he challenges. I think there's one more thing. Sorry, CJ, I don't remember what it is. Encourage, thank you. Somebody's looking out for me. But one of the things as well, I want to do that as well, but one of the things that's always on my heart is that through my messages, I want you to fall in love with the Bible more. How many love God's word? How many love the Bible? You should all raise your hand because if you don't, there's something wrong. (laughs) Or just nudge your neighbor like, yeah, you need to love the Bible. But I love God's word. I love the Bible. So through this, I want to kind of dig into some of the background of the Sermon on the Mount. Because it's, uh, the book of Matthew, I mean, every book of the Bible is, is just incredible. But the book of Matthew is, is an amazing book. And Matthew, the author of this gospel, was one of Jesus' disciples. He had been a tax collector, so he was a, a pretty hated guy. But when Jesus said, come follow me, he got up, he left his business, and he followed Jesus. Um, he was also known as Levi, was his other name. Uh, in one of the, the gospel accounts. But Matthew was, was one of Jesus' followers. So he was there. He has these firsthand accounts of Jesus' life. But what's interesting as well is Matthew, who he was writing this gospel to, because we need to think sometimes when we read the Bible, who was this written originally? Who was the first audience that was reading these words? And why was the author writing it? So Matthew was writing primarily to Jewish Christians. So people that grew up in Jewish homes knew the Old Testament very well. So when Matthew starts writing his gospel, he's very deliberate in the purpose that he is writing it. And he starts using imagery and ideas that his Jewish audience is going to hear that sometimes kind of go over our head because last I checked, I'm not a Hebrew, I'm not a Jew. But what's, so what's interesting is we just came out of Christmas. Um, Matthew gives an account of Jesus' birth. But one of the things he first focuses on is the lineage of Jesus, which points to the fact that he's um, a child of Abraham. And immediately the Jewish hearer is going to know Abraham was blessed by God and told that his descendants would bless the world, right? So, okay, so Jesus falls in that line. He also is in line with David, who was the king kind of during the golden age of of Israel. And everybody knew David as kind of this exemplary king. And they also knew the promises that God made to David, that one day one of his descendants would sit on the throne and that his kingdom would last forever. So already Matthew is just kind of putting in here that this Jesus that we're about to talk about is an important person that he's in the line of this David, that, and he's starting to paint this picture of him as the king. He tells the story of the, of the wise men coming, giving these expensive kingly gifts to Jesus. So Matthew's kind of building his readers up to realize, okay, this guy, he's saying that this is the new David. This is the new king that's going to sit on the throne forever. But he also... Who's another Old Testament character that we're probably mostly all familiar with is Moses. And Moses was, again, probably one of the 
the most well-known and primary leaders in Israel's history through the Exodus, bringing them out of slavery in Egypt. And Matthew does something really cool in the first little bit of his book is that he parallels Jesus and Moses. So when Jesus um, was born, Herod sent uh, people to go kill all the infants, which was something that happened with Moses. Moses escaped, Jesus escaped. Where did Jesus go? He went to Egypt. Where was Moses? He was in Egypt. And then Jesus comes out of Egypt. Moses leads the people out of Egypt. Jesus then, or Moses then, and the Israelites are in the wilderness for 40 years. And Jesus goes into the desert for 40 days in prayer and fasting. Jesus, or again, Moses and the Israelites, they went through the Red Sea, through the water. Jesus is baptized. So all of a sudden you get like this picture of like, not only is Jesus this new king, but he's this new authoritative teacher and lawgiver. So then when Matthew writes that Jesus goes up onto a mountain and begins teaching his followers, again, you get this picture of Moses who also went up into a mountain to receive the law and to bring the law back to the people. So now all of a sudden you get to these teachings of Jesus, these readers, these first readers, and we should understand too that what Jesus is about to say is important. It holds authority, that it's, it's something that we need to live by. But what's also interesting is that the law and these different things, the Israelites, the Jews at this time, they were expecting this new king, this new prophet to be somebody that would, you know, break off the shackles of the Roman Empire and establish this earthly kingdom. But all of a sudden, Jesus instead starts saying, blessed are the poor. Blessed are the meek and the humble. So all of a sudden, you also get the idea that Jesus' kingdom and his teaching is very different than what they were expecting. And it's very different than the way the world works. I've heard it said a number of times that Jesus' kingdom is an upside-down kingdom because it's not the way the kingdom of the world works. So I just, I love these things about the Bible. So maybe I'm just too much of a Bible nerd and you don't have to think anything of all that. But anyway, if you love that stuff and you want some more information, this is just a little side. There's a great website called Bible Project where I got a lot of that information, where I get some good study stuff. So BibleProject.com, great videos. So you don't even have to read anything. You can just watch and listen. But that's, that's free. Okay. So Jesus is now, he's on the Sermon on the Mount, so we're going to dig into what he's saying. What does it mean then to seek first the kingdom of God? So we're going to look at a number of passages from the Sermon on the Mount. We're not going to take a full exhaustive look at it because you could spend weeks of just doing a series on different parts. But we're going to look at some, some just overview things here and what it means to seek first the kingdom of God. So the first thing we're going to say here is that seeking first the kingdom of God means that we need to be others focused. Because again, when we look at those resolutions, when we look so often at our lives, we are very self-focused. We're very selfish. It's our human nature. You know, always looking at ourselves, navel gazing, I think is the phrase. Always, what's, what's in it for me? But Jesus immediately starts speaking and teaching that we need to be others focused and with others focused it means one that we need to 
be about reconciliation in our relationships. In five, chapter 5, verse 24, I'll start at verse 23 here for a second, but it says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that you have a brother or sister that has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Now, Pastor CJ shared a message a little while ago too about tis the season to forgive and how important just not harboring anger and bitterness towards others is just, it's so detrimental. And here Jesus even says that it hinders our worship. When we come to offer worship and, and our gifts, our, our sacrifice of praise to God, and yet we're standing here and we're not reconciled, we haven't forgiven that other person, that it's going to hinder even our worship. Ephesians chapter 4 Paul is writing, and he gives a lot of practical advice. And in the middle of that, in verse four, or chapter 4, verse 26, he says that don't let the sun go down on your anger. It gives the devil a foothold. Like, I don't know, have you ever, like, had somebody, like, stick their foot, you know, in the door when you're trying to close it? I've watched my kids chase each other through the house and try to get into a room and close the door, but the other person gets their foot in there. Then there's usually screaming and yelling, and, and, then, and then I calm down. And <laughs> but just getting that little bit is all that the person needs to keep that door from fully close, closing. And when we give into anger, when we allow our, our anger to just like stay inside of us, when we go to bed angry, it gives the devil a foothold into our lives. And we need to be able to shut that door to the enemy by forgiving, by being reconciled, by being others focused in that way. Moving on to verse 38 of Matthew chapter 5. And another way to be others focused is turning the other cheek and going the extra mile. Here, it says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Now, this, this is not easy. Our gut reaction when somebody comes at us is to immediately just resist them, to, to fight back. And I've had this conversation with one of my children the other day. When they get into these arguments, and, and this is for me too, and for all of us, when we get into arguments, the second we start fighting back, I use this picture of like a fire. When you add a piece of wood to the fire, it makes the fire bigger. It makes it burn longer. But if you don't add fuel to a fire, it burns out quicker. And the second that you respond in anger, the second that you don't turn the other cheek and you try to fight back, you're adding fuel to that fire. And it's just stirring up those problems more and more. But Jesus wants us 
to express love to others, to turn away. Don't feed that fire. Don't feed that hate. I believe with this as well, when he says, go the extra mile. If they want to take your shirt, hand your coat as well. We need to do more than what's expected. Because how much has Christ done for us, which was more than we could ever have imagined or expected? Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 12, verse 17 to 21. He says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. It's another thing I have to tell my kids. You're responsible for your own actions. You can't control the other person. You can only control what you do. So as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Verse 20, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We need to be an example of Christ's love in the way we look to others, in the way we treat others. I remember being challenged with this um, one time before, so I challenge you this morning. If there's that someone in your life that you're just, mm, they drive you nuts, you don't like them, start praying for them. And I don't mean go up and be like, oh, you need prayer, you know, like. But just in your quiet time, begin to pray for them. Lord, bless them. Lord, provide for their needs. Lord, comfort them in their pain and their sorrow. Whatever it is, because they might be going th through things that you don't know. But when you begin to pray, you begin to see them the way Jesus sees them. You begin to see them the way God sees them. And I guarantee your attitude towards that person will start changing. When you begin to... Stop looking at yourself and, oh, but they did this to me. But you just begin to love on them. It changes everything when we become others focused. And this kind of goes into this next point is that we need to love and pray for our enemies as a way we're others focused. Chapter 543 of Matthew. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So begin to, begin to pray for them. Begin to love those people. Even the people that don't like you. Because it just, it turns the whole thing around and we begin to not just look at ourselves and what we think we need, but we begin to see other people the way God sees them. A final thought here is in chapter 6, verse 2, two to 4, Jesus tells, and I love that he he doesn't say, if you give to the needy. It says, so when you give to the needy, that we can be people who give to others, amen? Do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites 
do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You know, it's, it's, it's weird to think that we could give to others and yet it still be a selfish act. But we do, you know, I mean, selfie, look what I just did. Look at how I was nice to this person, you know, and we want... We want people to like what we did because we were nice to somebody else or we gave to somebody else. And it becomes backwards. We're supposed to give because, again, we are loving them, not trying to get the attention to ourselves. One of the things that makes me think of, if you watch those daytime talk shows, um, you know, they, they have somebody on the show that is in need for, for something. And, you know, they bring out those huge checks that are, super big and march it out and everybody's clapping and crying and you're sitting on your couch crying too because this is so nice but on those big checks what's on there it's the big logo of the company that's giving this money because they're i mean you know they're trying to be nice but at the same time they're like oh free advertisement come to our store spend your money with us and it's not really like a a gift in the way that Jesus is intending us to give, where it's not about us. It's not about what we can get out of giving, which again seems weird, but we can do it that way. We need to give because we truly just love others and want to bring glory to Jesus. Amen? So the next thing here is not only as we seek God's kingdom first, are we others focused? As we seek God's kingdom, we also need to be eternity-focused. God's kingdom is an eternal kingdom. You know, I would, I would suggest that just once every now and again, just turn to the back of your Bible and read the last two chapters of Revelation. Because it just, I don't know, to me, it just fills me with so much hope and just peace, knowing of the eternal state that is to come, where we where there's no need for sun or moon because Jesus is the lamp in the middle of this city and we live by his light. It, it's just incredible. But we should be eternity focused. Flip this here too. So let's look again at the Sermon on the Mount. What does Jesus say? Chapter six, verses 19 to 21. Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on, treasures, it's a hard word to say, treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, you know, we sang that song this morning, nothing else. How many, you ever used to watch the show, The A-Team? Anybody watch that show? There was the, uh, one of the guys, and he always used to say, I love it when a plan comes together. And every time I, I get invited to, or, you know, get to preach and share, I love it when I walk in and the songs that the worship pastor has chosen just fit so perfectly. And I'm just like, I love it when a plan comes together because it was God doing it because it, you know, we didn't really communicate beforehand. But I love it when a plan comes together because 
when we're eternity focused, we're, we're Jesus focused. You know, nothing else will do. And one of the thoughts that kept coming to me is he is my reward. You know, I'm not looking for, what is it the song to be thou my vision? You know, I don't want riches and man's empty praise. Jesus, be thou my vision. And that's where our hearts need to be set on, on Christ, on him as our reward. So often as we've been reading these, when he says, when you give, when you do it out in front of everyone, you get your reward then and there because you're just looking for that pat on the back from others. But when you give to the glory of God, he sees what you're doing and he will reward you. You know, to think that eternity, there are rewards and he gets to be our reward. Amen? Okay, you're still with me, all right. And then in verse 24, he says, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now I know Pastor CJ, he kind of does this where he'll say something and then a song pops into his head and he starts singing the song. Now I... At least he can carry a tune, you know. Pastor Andrew has told me that he doesn't want me in the choir because I can't sing. But I figure I can sing a, you know, a spot from this one because the song that came to mind is Bob Dylan. And I don't think he could sing very well either. So, <laughs> But it was a classic song. It was Gotta Serve Somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord. But you're going to have to serve somebody. I don't know. I don't think that's even a good Dylan impression. <laughs> but just as my dad was a huge Bob Dylan fan, so that's why I know that, because I'm not old enough to really know Bob Dylan. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but... Uh, my mom hated Bob Dylan. You know, she couldn't stand him because she's just like, he can't sing. It's ugh. So if my mom would leave the house and it was just dad at home, me and dad, we'd get into his old vinyl record collection and we'd pull out the old Bob Dylan albums. And I remember it was, it was the album Slow Train Coming, which I think was from the early 80s when, when Bob Dylan was kind of in his Christian phase. He did a few albums that were, were very Christian-oriented and that uh, song, Gotta Serve Somebody, was on Slow Train Coming. So, Dad, if you're watching, I remember. Yeah. But that, I mean, that's all I was just saying there. Now you know a little bit more about me and my dad and our, our mutual enjoyment of Bob Dylan. So, But you gotta serve somebody. We, you will serve something in your life. You know, to think, you know, when it comes to, we talk about freedom, but... Only true freedom is when we are serving Jesus, right? And we can't serve. Jesus says and points out that money is one of these big things that we tend to serve. And money, possessions, having things and having money, you know, again, the resolution that was up there to, to spend less, to save more, it's not that it's a bad thing, but when we begin to serve it instead of using it as a tool to serve us for God's kingdom, then we've got it backwards, and when we have our minds with an eternity focus, 
we're not going to try to hoard this stuff to ourselves here on earth because it can't come with us. You know, I've heard it said before too, I've never seen a hearse with a U-Haul attached to it. You know, you can't take this stuff with you. So we need to have an eternity focus and we need to serve and seek his kingdom instead of hoarding and trying to keep stuff for ourselves and to serve things here on earth that will just go away when we die. And the last thing here, maybe this is kind of obvious, but it's so important and we've already kind of been saying it throughout these other things, but we, we need to be others focused, eternity focused, and we need to be God focused. You know, Hebrews says to set your sights on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So how do we keep our focus on God? And this one kind of plays into the others focus as well, but and we know this, uh, this verse pretty well, and I may even sing again here in a second. Please don't. Ch- please don't. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> but it's where Jesus is talking about being salt and light. And in verse 16 of chapter 5, again, this is in the Sermon on the Mount. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And what struck me about this is, you know, when Jesus says to let your light shine, we also see throughout the rest of the New Testament, in the Gospel of John, Jesus says that I am the light of the world. Paul, in 2 Corinthians 3, talks about the the glory of the new covenant that we have in Christ, and that we who with unveiled faces behold the glory of the Lord, that we're, we're reflecting him and we're transformed, that we are transformed into his image, not our own. So when we let our light shine, it's not a light that's in ourselves, it's Jesus in us that we are reflecting his glory and shining out to others so that he can be glorified, not me. So by doing good deeds, we're being God-focused because we're shining his light and giving him glory so that others can know him. We're also God-focused through prayer, which again, this seems like a pretty obvious one that we would, you know, yeah, when we pray, we're giving our attention to God. But even in our prayers, and I've been in this place before where our prayers become very me-focused. Oh, God, what would, what do you want me to do? How can I do this? Please help me, me, me. And we, we can just pray very selfish prayers. Um, I heard it said one time too that if you you think about your time of prayer, think about when was the last time that you prayed for somebody else and their need and not just yourself and your need. It's just something to think about. So again, in the middle of Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, he teaches us how to pray. In chapter 6, just the first part of the Lord's Prayer, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, we're not praying for my will. I'm not praying, God, would you work this out because it's what I want. Our focus, again, needs to be on God. What is your will? What do you want to be done? Instead of praying for him to bless my plans, I need 
to know what he's doing so I can join him in his will and what he's doing here on earth. But when we are just praying about, God, what, do you, what about me? Bless this, this thing that I want. We get it backwards and we need to refocus and put our focus on God. And the last thing here that I have is for being God-focused is through obedience. You know, when, when we come to Christ, Paul says that we believe in our hearts that God raised Christ from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Now, Paul doesn't say to confess that Jesus is loving or that Jesus even is Savior and he is those things, but when we come to Jesus, we confess him as Lord. And by saying Lord, you're saying, I confess that you're the master, you're the ruler, you're the king, you're the Lord of my life, and I'm here to serve you. And I'm here to be obedient to you. So Jesus closes the Sermon on the Mount with a a well-known parable of the wise and foolish builders. And he starts by saying in chapter 7, verse 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Now, we can think we're wise because we've memorized Scripture, because we know the word inside out, front and back, left, right, center. But until we actually obey that word, until we actually put it into practice, that's when we're wise. That's when we are building our lives on the solid foundation. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. See, I didn't sing that. I just said it. You're welcome. So again, when we consider those top 10 resolutions... You want to travel more? Seek first his kingdom. Maybe he'll take you on a mission trip. You want to spend more time with family? Just turn around for a second and look at the brothers and sisters in Christ that are surrounding you. Who could and and maybe sometimes need to be and are more family than our biological family. And that's all right. But God surrounded you with a family. Want to get healthier and lose weight? You ever try fasting? (sighs) And again, that's not why we fast. But when we, you know, eliminate those things from our lives to put our focus on him and seek him first, we begin to discover those heart changes of, Kevin, why are you eating that all the time? I'm preaching to myself there. I won't look at anybody out there. But again, when we shift our focus, we need to remember that, look, this isn't, seeking first his kingdom isn't about like living this dull, boring life. You know, I think sometimes we get that idea that, oh, okay, I'm a Christian and I go to church and I was, I think of it as like Eeyore. Remember from the Winnie the Pooh, well, I guess I'll just have to build another house. He was always, and I think we can get that attitude as Christians. Well, I guess I'll just have to go to church and be boring. But the second half of that verse, seek first his kingdom and all of these things will be added to you. God wants to bless you. God wants what's best for you. God wants to do these great things in your life. He wants you to get better 
because we're seeking him first. When we seek his kingdom first, all these things are added. It may not look like what you thought it was going to look like. It may not be exactly what you were thinking when you made that, thought you were making a resolution, but when you begin to seek him, but I can guarantee you it'll be more than you could have ever asked, thought, or imagined. That's what God wants to do because you'll never find a more loving king, a more kind ruler, a more gracious, merciful master, one that is capable of providing for your every need according to his riches and one who is more worthy of all our love, praise, and adoration and being sought first. So seek his kingdom first as we go into this year and all these things. And I can't, I would say if we determine that that's what we need to do this year, this day, every day through this year, I can't wait to hear the stories of how God provided, of how God sent you, of how God ministered to you and used you to minister to other people because you sought him first. We're not adventure called Adventure Church for no reason. God wants to take you on an adventure, but it starts when we seek him first. So let's bow our heads. Father God, we thank you that you are a good gracious, merciful, loving King that you have transferred us out of the kingdom and the power of darkness and into the kingdom of your dear son, into your light, into your freedom, into your grace. Jesus, we bless you and we want to seek you first. We want nothing else. We come to you with, with no agenda not seeking our own way, but seeking your way and trusting that you will lead us on the greatest adventure. You will lead us to do great things for you and that you will lead us into all eternity as we get to bless and experience your presence. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. And if... You know, if you're someone here this morning and you're like, I'm not even on this wavelength because I've never given my life to Jesus. I've never confessed him as Lord. Then I would encourage you, you can come find me or one of our board members. There's some people here afterwards, Quinn here or others, because we would love to pray with you and just tell you about this Jesus, this King of Kings, this Lord of Lords that we love and serve. So God bless you. Have a great week. And we'll see you next week and coming up soon. Excited about Wednesday nights. Amen. All right. Bless you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to today's message. If this message has encouraged you in any way, please consider giving to Adventure Church to help continue this ministry. Giving is safe and easy through our website at www.adventurechurchsiren.com. Thank you for your generous support.